Well, welcome one and all. Welcome back to the Guild Podcast. The podcast of the Writers, Artists, Readers Guild. Um, my name is C. Mary Holtman. I am your host and we are beginning 2021 with a fresh episode. We've been kind of uh, uh, sparse on episodes lately, but we're hoping to get things started uh, right off the bat here with some good shows. So today we're interviewing, we're talking to P.L. Stewart, a fantasy author from Canada, and listening to his story as he is preparing to publish his very first book, a fantasy story called A Drowned Kingdom, the first in a series of books. Um, I hope you enjoy it very, very much, and I will see you on the other end. And I would like to welcome P.L. Stewart, fantasy author of A Drowned Kingdom, to the Guild podcast. Welcome, Mr. Stewart. Thank you, so much, Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about, because you always want to do a perfect introduction when you introduce somebody. You know, you want to make sure that you get the, the name right and that it's pronounced right and everything like that. And I kept thinking about that in my head. And P.L. Stewart isn't very difficult. Uh, but I kept thinking of P.L. Travers, the uh, author of, of uh, uh, what is it, um, Mary Poppins, right? Yeah. So, but I know you had a you had a a, um, a question on one of the Facebook groups. What the P.L. stands for? <laughs> um, did anybody ever get it? Guess it correctly? Because I didn't follow it. At the end. Oh, okay. So I should I should uh, update you on what happened. I if you I crave a little indulgence here, so. Um, what I said was that um, I would post uh, in our group, um, our, our author's uh, Facebook group, that uh, at some point, uh, whoever guesses my, my initials of my, my pen name correctly, I would uh, provide them with something like a, a free ebook copy of, yeah. the, uh, of A Drowned Kingdom. However, I haven't posted that yet, so uh, once I do, sure, I will shortly, probably in the next few days, and then I'll put it out there and see if someone guesses, and then... Uh, They'll be rewarded if they guess correctly with uh, a copy of uh, the novel when it's released. <laughs> okay, is it is it is it, a, is it difficult? Is it is it one that people might actually guess, or is it? Uh, well, come on, I can't get with the clues. I can't I can't say whether it's difficult or I have to just you know allow someone to guess and see if they guess it right. So <laughs> can't give away the goodies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Well, uh, interesting part. You uh, are in the midst of publishing your first book, uh, A Drowned Kingdom, the first in a series of fantasy books. Uh, and that's interesting because, I mean, I've obviously, if you've listened to the podcast before, you I've had people who have just released their books. I've had people who have released a bunch of books, some publishers and people who haven't actually released any books at all, only released a bunch of short stories. So you're kind of like in that, that process. It'll be interesting to hear what your experiences are in, in that whole thing. So tell me a little bit, about your writing background. Now, is A Drowned Kingdom the first thing that you're ever going to get published? Or have you published yeah. like short stories before? No, this is the first thing I'm going to get published other than I've written for things like uh, community newspapers, okay. uh, local newspapers. 
I've published in um, some of the volunteer organizations I've been in, published articles in their periodicals and magazines, um, things like that. However, I've never uh, written a novel before, especially one of this length. If you'll just spare me a bit of shameless self-promotion, uh, this is it. This is my author proof copy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 in my my hand, um, but yes, this is this is the first thing that I will have uh, formally published in, in in that kind of venue. Okay, so so then you're talking about that most of the stuff that you published have been what nonfiction then, or what have they been articles? Yes, uh, predominantly articles, uh, nonfiction, um, you know, pieces regarding uh, my thoughts or or my beliefs or a specific topic um so but nothing uh nothing fiction nothing and nothing of this magnitude certainly so well that i think wouldn't that make i mean some people would probably say like well that's just i mean obviously it's a blessing it's amazing getting your first work published like that and not having written anything before how did that what how do you go from writing just articles thought pieces whatever to to a epic fantasy now that's a big that's a big step well, uh, I'm sure that as an author yourself, and you've, you've interviewed lots of authors, um, you know that we, all creatives, poets, writers, musicians, we all have this, um, this thing bursting inside of us, waiting to get out, and, and, and we can't contain it. And this is three years in the making, uh, you know, of, 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 of toil and the labor of, of writing a book. And um, then, but it, it's all inside of you. It's all when you get out. You you have all the words somewhere in your head. Uh, hopefully they format the way you want on the paper uh, when it when it comes out. But yeah, that that's three years in the making. So that's how I got from a zero to uh, a four hundred page uh, fantasy novel. I mean, it, it is. And and did you shop it around a lot before you you got it published? Anybody that you found somebody that wanted to publish it? No, I, I am not traditionally published, uh, Christopher. I am self-published, indie-published. Oh, yes, this is the technical term because I, I am using a fantastic uh, indie publisher uh, called Friesen Press. Um, I feel that they're um, an elite uh, indie publisher in Canada. You know, mm -hmm. the, the Mercedes, the Cadillac of, of indie publishing in, in Canada, if you will. Um, so they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, they, they were a great help and support to me in, in every aspect. Um, the other greatest support, of course, is my, my lovely wife, Debbie, who's my uh, business manager, marketing manager, promotional manager extraordinaire, my business partner and everything. So between uh, Deb and Friesen, uh, we, we made this thing come to fruition, so. Okay, but then the, the, if we back it up a little bit, because yes, I mean, both you and I are, are what we would call indie published. And you said self-published, but I mean, self-published often indicates that you're doing everything yourself. Uh, but no, you're going through an indie indie publisher, so you are basically being published through a through an indie press. Or are you guys? I mean, are you go? Is it hybrid? Are you half and half? Or are they? Did you just send it to them and they said, you know, we can work with this? Or how did that work out? Yes, no, it's it's not a hybrid model. It's 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 it is uh, indie publishing. So uh, as you know. I write the novel. Um, I send it off to Friesen Press. Um, I pay for uh, various rounds of editing. Um, I pay for cover design. You pay for to get the book copyrighted and everything that's involved in, in publishing 
as if you were doing it the traditional way, except that uh, you don't have an agent and you don't have to negotiate. Um, your, your agent doesn't have to negotiate on your behalf with uh, to sell your book, et cetera. So yeah, the, the steps are, as far as I uh, have learned, are essentially the same. The difference is, of course, uh, rather than uh, receiving um, an advance upfront uh, for your novel, and then hopefully uh, selling enough to make that advance back, and then beyond, you're, you're paying money upfront yourself uh, to the industry, indie publishing uh, organization to publish your book, and that's that's what I did. And do you look around for a lot of different publishers before you settled on um, the house that you chose, or? I did. I, I obsessively researched for quite a while. However, I had a friend, a close friend, and a colleague that was already going through the same process. His name is mm -hmm. Mateus Khan. Fantastic guy. He writes in a different genre. He writes uh, more the thriller, um, you know, type of novel. However, um, trust him implicitly. Uh, he's not one to, to steer anyone in the wrong direction. So uh, he was going with Friesen. I had a lot of confidence based on my discussions with him and combined with my research. And then I once I made that once I made that decision, it, it was easy to move forward with Friesen. Um, they're extremely reputable and and came very very highly regarded in the industry. So. Um, I, 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 glad I selected Friedman. Very happy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, and I mean, and you were talking about, we were talking about the, the, the whole, the wanting to get something out there. The, and uh, since you've listened to the podcast, you know that I've oftentimes used the, the, like the word kinetic, like some kind of kinetic energy that you have inside that bursts. Um, and I think also, I think I got the question. Uh, from another from a fantasy publisher <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago like um if you if you consider yourself like a storyteller an author or a writer or whatever and i i consider myself a storyteller uh, because it doesn't really if i don't get to write it the storytelling will come out in one way or another uh to i mean i think the detriment of <laughs> of maybe relationships or friends or colleagues because i mean my colleagues will say something and then i kind of like spin it and just kind of, you know, get it out there in some absurd way, uh, in a, in a conversation. Uh, and fantasy is a very it's a very special genre to write in. Why? What made you choose fantasy? Have you always been a fantasy um, like lover? Always been a fantasy lover. I devour uh, anything fantasy. I I I started off in life at a very young age. I'm not young anymore. I started off at a young age um, loving fantasy. I, I kind of, as I grew up and got into different careers, I evolved more to the uh, police procedural thriller um, mm -hmm. detective type novels. But I came back home. I came back to fantasy, um, you know, uh, probably around my mid-20s. I really, late mid to late 20s. I didn't have a lot of time for reading, uh, raising a family um, earlier in life. But uh, the last, certainly the last few decades, I'm, I'm over 50 now. I, um, I've been almost reading exclusively fantasy mm -hmm. and anything I can get my hands on that, that, that strikes my interest. Um, so yeah, I, 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 fantasy is, is, is my, my love. <laughs> That's good. Well, then there's, I mean, it's, it's my love too. Fantasy was always my love, even though I realized that I was better at writing other stuff, but I've come back to it now. I'm working uh, harder on, on fantasy and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and what are the, what is the, um, so what, if we just go to A Drowned Kingdom, what is the premise of A Drowned Kingdom? Well, the premise of A Drowned Kingdom is a part, a large part of the tale is based on my 
version of the Atlantis myth. Um, in this case, uh, my um, Atlantis is called Atlantics. And um, the if you're familiar, most people to some degree are familiar with uh, the Atlantis myth and uh, Plato, the, the famous philosopher who first um, you know, brought um, that myth to life. Um, my version is quite different from Plato's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I at Atlantics, my Atlantics, although it's it's very central to the tale, it's just one part of the universe I've created. And mm -hmm. um, the story is essentially about um, Atlantics, um, its its downfall, and uh, one of its uh, lords, one of its princes uh, named Othrin, and uh, what happens to him, uh, essentially uh, his story. And uh, what happens to him after the downfall of Atlantics? Okay. And would you say that it's? I mean, because <clears throat> I, I know you, you say that you're a high fantasy author, uh, and with, with all that that in, entails. What did you say? Is it difficult to? Was it difficult to create a twist? Because I think what people, fantasy authors more than than other type of genre fiction authors, is that they you can get trapped in in old tropes and in cliches. And I think that's usually when you talk about what is good fantasy versus bad fantasy uh, from an objective standpoint, obviously, because you can look at it objectively, uh, is that when you follow the tropes too closely and you don't, you need a twist. Um, did you find that difficult to do? Or were you, I mean, were you cognizant of that all the time when you were writing? Like, I don't want to fall in to the old traps. No, you know, it's funny, Christopher, that I'm very cognizant of, of tropes and traps. It's funny, I have a, <laughs> coincidentally, I have an upcoming uh, blog about that that I've written in, uh, actually a guest blog that I wrote um, for a friend of mine um, that's coming out uh, this month, in a few days. But um, to be honest with you, I, I, I subscribe to writing the story um, that I want to write, mm -hmm. um, not trying to avoid uh, pitfalls and tropes, but simply writing the story and being cognizant of them. However, not letting that um, dictate how I write specifically. Um, I think the difference with my work is that, um, you know, so my work involves kingdoms, princes, yeah. uh, lords and ladies, uh, no, no mythical creatures perhaps, um, uh, but mysticism, magics, you'll see some of that for sure. But, but a lot of the themes that you'll see in my novel uh, are fairly, people would consider a lot of them contemporary. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the elements have been around for years, but things like PTSD, uh, you know, um, racism, uh, homophobia, uh, privilege, um, things like that. And of course, and, and in the aspect of that we're going back a bit, colonialism, yeah. uh, patriarchy, uh, so, so uh, I just try to write uh, the novel the way uh, I thought uh, it should sound and the way I thought people would want, what I thought people want to read. And I, I didn't concern myself too much on, on trying to be a counter, uh, part of like the counter, the, the movement to counter tropes, which essentially I believe spawned um, what's called grim, dark yeah. uh, fantasy. Um, very much, which which, and we've seen some phenomenal work from from that subgenre. Uh, of course, some of the more more famous ones: uh, Mark Lawrence, Joe Abercrombie, 
uh, Glenn Cook, um, you know, fantastic authors. And they write a very uh, different style. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I admire their work. They're phenomenal. Um, you know, I read, I, I read almost everything from them. Um, I don't write quite that way. Um, you know, perhaps my work, yeah, if I can delineate between their look and work and my if I, if I can, it's hard to compare. They're great authors. I'm, I'm a novice. Um, you know, is that I think there's a feeling of, of, of hope. There is a, there is a, uh, an over, I think, and I think uh, an overarching feeling of hope in my works. Um, there are some grim topics and some, some, some serious topics, but uh, I think the way I approach it isn't perhaps as, you know, uh, traditionally, um, you know, dark as, as those authors that I mentioned. Would you say that you're maybe closer to Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman or David Eddings in your style than, than Joe Abercrombie and Glenn Cook? Although I find that a lot of people put Glenn Cook in the grim dark um, genre, subgenre, as you were saying. And, and to, I mean, to a degree, I would agree because it's grim, but it still has a lot of high fantasy. I mean, you're never, I would say that I'm never really afraid that anyone from the company is going to to die i mean i'm not really scared for their lives uh like i would be if i read a joe hypercrombie book yeah and it's and it's odd because people from the company do die and uh you know in the initial book some die early and often and quite violently yeah. um you know but but yeah the, the you know that the core characters you know are probably going to make it at least, yeah. at least far in the book um i feel like you know, and again, you know, comparisons, I, I know that's what we do. Um, you know, it's, I feel, I feel, I feel, um, you know, I feel very inadequate trying to compare myself to, to great authors, um, especially great established authors that have this, this long track record of longevity with great novels. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> dare, dare I say, I, 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 I'm a big Tolkien fan, mm. um, you know, as, 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 you know, the, the you know, the, the patriarch of, of what most people consider modern high fantasy. Um, you know, I, I think um, if you look at someone like Tolkien, I like to think there's a little bit of, and, I, and some people even classify him as grimdark, a little bit of, of George R. R. Martin uh, in my works, um, a little bit of, you know, um, one of my favorites, uh, Bernard Cornwall. He's, he's, he's much better known for his historical fiction. However, his, 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 uh, Fantasy series, um, the Warlord Chronicles, with with about the Arthurian legend. To me, that is that is one of the, the uh, probably a, a underrated, but one of the one of the best uh, fantasy series I've ever read. Um, you know, so big a big fan of his. Um, you know, so I think you'd see a bit more of some of those uh, writers. Uh, their more their style um, mm. in their writing, but hopefully a unique. You know, I'm me, so hopefully a unique voice. Uh, one of my peer authors who is currently. Um, reviewing, reading, reviewing the book to provide some, uh, some review fodder for the, the covers. I have a couple of authors that are doing that. And um, she mentioned some authors that I, I'm not going to give them away now. She mentioned a few authors she, as a comparator that I, I never even considered, but, um, you know, I, she did say that she felt my voice was very distinctive and nothing mm -hmm. like she'd ever read before. And um, I, that made me feel really good. So <laughs> in a positive way, she said that yeah. in a very positive. And I think that's probably, I mean, when you talk about people who, who read a lot of fantasy and you kind of compare to, like say I was I was reading a Season of the Runer by Abigail uh, Linhart, who I had on this 
podcast and I, I recognize a lot of like the style and tropes of, of Bradley Bowyer, who comes from my hometown in Racine. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, do you know you know of him? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and and I don't think that she has actually read any Bowyer. Uh, but seeing as how we come from, and maybe there'd be comparisons to to you and Linhart and Bowyer as well, but they're probably not because you are um, you've been. Um, like you use the same tropes or the ideas, but you're born and you're active in the same time. I mean, obviously literature and especially genre fiction is so contemporary. You know, you can't, you can't write a um, Game of Thrones book or a Song of Ice and Fire book today because the world looks completely different today. So you have to take of what inspires you and in, in, in the time. So um contemporaries you're probably more like the contemporaries but i mean that being said fantasy and i mean i'm a literary scholar in my you know that's what i was uh, went to school for to college for uh, and especially fantasy literature is my field of of study uh, and we talk about the fantasy is um it's all about the heart's desire what do the characters you know want what is the hole in them? And usually that hole uh, symbolizes the hole that we see in society today. Like if you look at when fantasy started, when William Morris wrote the first fantasy book, it was all about, you know, he saw a world that was ever changing and the industrial age where it was like completely destroying nature, that which he loved. Uh, feminism was destroying the patriarchy, which he loved. And obviously, his book, the would be on the uh, the uh, would be well beyond the world, symbolizes that because you have a, a cent central character who's a male, whose wife is mean to him, so he leaves in order to become a hero in a fantasy world where he gets to save a princess. So obviously, that's very very, you know, connected to society at the time or what he saw as a problem. Now, what would you say have, has influenced you most and what can we see from society today in your work? Well, um, being, a, being a scholar of, of fantasy, which you are, um, you know, I, I, my, my major in university was uh, English, uh, English literature with a minor in history. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a huge um, Arthur, Arthurian mm -hmm. um, uh, tales fan. I'm a fan of uh, Beowulf. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm 50 plus, so I always go back to the classics. And um, I find that um, the one thing that my book, I believe, does is that the voice is the voice of someone who's privileged. The voice mm -hmm. of my main character author is someone who's privileged, is someone who when you think of the classics, when you think of uh, Lords and Ladies, when you think of uh, someone like an Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, who's come from, he's been raised humble, but he knows his heritage. He knows he's come from this great, great lineage, right? Um, you know, you can't help but being a bit haughty. You can't help but being a bit uh, conceited. You can't help but being a bit um, confident in, um, your own lineage, uh, where you come from, uh, you know, a feeling of, of, of destiny, a feeling of um, that, um, you know, others are beneath you, others are lesser. 
um, you know, and 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 although heroes in all these classical books um, are supposed to be noble and pure and good, and now we, we're almost getting back to the trope discussion now, um, you know, uh, now we if we just for a minute diverge to the the whole the, the reason for the backlash against these tropes and probably the rise of grimdark was that these heroes were were too noble yeah. and they seemed that they had no flaws. Um, well, my character definitely has flaws. Um, part of his flaws is the fact that he's he's come from that that privileged background, and he 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 believes that he and his the civilization he comes from is you know the greatest peerless civilization um, and man humankind has ever known. And um, you know if you look back at some of these classics, you realize that um, that also runs through a lot of the heroes. But we just don't think of it that way because we're so focused on the fact that they're good and noble and they're going to slay the beast and they're going to save the day. We're going to, but but you know, we we, we tend not to examine, um, you know, aside from that, um, what were their their value systems? What did they think about uh, people from other races? What did they think about religion? You know, would they be someone who would be involved in religious persecution? Probably because they would think that their their religion would be the best and the one that. You know that should be spread globally, um, even if that means that they uh, subjugate and kill uh, people to make sure that happens. So you know, uh, no, no, nobody, nobody, uh, writers obviously, you know, because you're trying to tell a certain story, uh, writers tend not to delve into those subjects. Um, but but uh, in my book, um, you will hear um, bits and pieces of of those uh, aspects of my character's thought process. Um, that are very relevant, very germane to the story uh, later on. Trying, trying to, you know, without spoiling it, it's it's hard. It's so hard. You want to, you want to. I was going to go blah. I'm just, you know, but I, I, you know, I'm, be, I'm being a bit vague, perhaps. But um, you know, I, I think that you will find uh, things in my story that that will remind you of a of those classics, mm. right? Um, you know, uh, Lamort d'Arthur, Thomas Mallory, you know, um, um, you know, uh, you, 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 you know, it's not a book that most people today could sit down and read, um, yeah, regardless of the version of that book. Um, but if you, if you're, if you're into that, uh, you could lose yourself in, in that book, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, but, 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 um, if you really sit down and think, and obviously the respect is being written by a 14th century medieval knight, it's 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 the value system, the 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 thought processes are very different. But um, but people don't stop to question people. Oh, the work is great, and it's all about you know Arthur and you know the you know his tale and Guinevere and knights around table and blah blah. But but we also have to look at um, you know I think what we tend to do with with heroes is idolize them. And um, you know, um, not necessarily pick apart the imperfections. And I'm not talking about again. I hate to. I'm not bashing grim dark. Um, you know, we're 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 talking about you know the nuances of of how this person thinks, what their motivations are, and what makes them complicated and complex uh, to the degree that their uh, their actions are guided by those complexities, and how we view them. Um, in terms of the the whole story, I think 
sounds like there's an, an air of there's hubris is kind of like a common the 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 central theme which is something that you'd see as you talk about i mean beowulf definitely has it um i mean you see like any in achilles and in, in the iliad the Bellophron in the in the story of of the Pegasus and, and the Chimera, Chimera, Icarus, you know it's a it's a good and even to to harken back to to Bradley Bowyer, and he has it as well in his um, uh, Winds of Calicobo. Yes, uh, it's very and I mean I think that and, and that it is interesting because you have to look at the the heroes because I think that's we're in, in an age we're in an age today where we're all we're scrutinizing our heroes and holding them accountable no matter if they're happen to be uh, Bill Cosby or Kevin Spacey or or Johnny Depp or whoever they they may be we're, we're looking at them in a different way where as you as you say if you look at say like anything by by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman you have characters that essentially that they are flawed even though they are the hero but it's never discussed and you never really understand what they had to do to get to where they are. Yes, you know, one of, one of, one of my favorite fantasy uh, writers, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson, Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, yeah. fantastic work, um, you, know, you know, he was one of the first, for me, modern writers that really, you know, um, he came up front and said, you know, Thomas Covenant is an anti-hero. He's the hero of the story, but he's an anti-hero. And um, you know he he commits some some fairly you know atrocious atrocious crimes at the get go of of, of of his of Donaldson series, but um, you know part of his um, his issues are you know he's divorced he's a leper you know but but um, in my novel uh, my hero is born with all these advantages that you could want, um, you know, other than some fam family issues and drama, which you'll have to uh, read the novel to find out about. But, but um, I, I believe that, um, you know, it's important um, for people to see the heroes as human beings. And um, one of my biggest, one of the, the water, the, one of the watershed moments in my writing was when I decided to change the writing perspective from third to first person. My my book is written in first person. That was that was an agonizing decision. <laughs> um, agonizing. I Christopher, I I stressed out over that for weeks, um, but it just felt right because you know I I needed people to hear this voice. I needed to hear it for all its warts. This one I needed this, them to see this person for all his warts, and that was the best way. Uh, for people to see also the redeeming qualities about him because he does have redeeming qualities you know um you know and the best way for people to see from his lens um how some of these issues that i talk about you know colonialism patriarchy racism things like that transpose in what would essentially be you know medieval values how 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 my book isn't about to solve it's not solving the world's problems it's just to start the discussion, yeah. perhaps, and just have, you know, um, by looking from different viewpoints at, at how this would be, and specifically from his perspective. Yeah. And even that is kind of twisting uh, the fantasy genre a little bit, because you don't, you don't hear, it's not a first person narrative most of the time in that way, where you hear, get to hear, and that, that's very much a, you know, a 
thriller or a, a um, hard-boiled detective stories narrative. And that is because the essence of a hard-boiled detective novel is to, to understand the, the flawed personality of the detective and how that detective kind of deals with the world at large and a world where the detective that the detective sees as broken. And that's an interesting, you know, since you read police procedurals, maybe that's what you're thinking. <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it came down to, you know, Christopher, I bet the farm on offering, I bet the farm on, on, on people, you know, essentially falling in love with him as a mm -hmm. character. Um, there are some other fantastic characters in the book, I believe, but he is, a, he's obviously a central character and he's the voice of the narrative. But I, 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 I essentially, you know, bet the success of my book on people really, you know, after reading a book written from his viewpoint, wanting to read more and really um, enjoying his unique, uh, you know, flawed, you know, complicated um, viewpoint uh, of, of life. And also someone who is, especially because he's thrust in such tumultuous circumstances and such turmoil. And he also has, you know, uh, as I said, he has familiar issues. and. He's, he's coming from a place where, you know, he really doesn't have time to properly absorb or assess some of the things that happened to him and, and properly, uh, you know, his coping mechanisms, you know, aren't always there um, that he can process these things uh, in a way that will uh, assist him in moving forward, always in the right direction. He'll make some bad choices you know, throughout the course of, you know, the series uh, I have planned uh, in this, in in this, uh, in my saga, the Drown Kingdom saga, you'll see some bad choices and some choices that will be head scratching. You understand the motivations. It, you will absolutely understand motivations, but you will go, oh my gosh, I can do that. You'll get it. You'll totally get it. You go, oh man. Um, you get frustrated, but um, you'll also, I think, I think you'll find it compelling though. Yeah, yeah, because we were talking. I was thinking about that. Now, like you, it's supposed to be a saga. How many books do you have? Have plan because when I spoke to Bradley Boyer and I haven't interviewed him on this this podcast I speak to him privately because uh, I mean he's a he's a friend uh he's talking about the when he was doing his series the Sh song of shattered sand which is out now people kept thinking that it was going to be a trilogy and he was just like no that was never that I never <laughs> said that it's like more like 12 books <laughs> how many how many books have you have you planned do you have um like I guess kind of like mapped out okay so I've mapped out seven books in what's called the drowned kingdom saga beginning with you know a drowned kingdom as the first <laughs> book um, um so seven books uh in that uh cycle and then I have two distinct separate prequel series plans and those will be trilogies so a set of three books and then another set of three books and then uh, we return to uh, a follow-up to the Drown Kingdom saga with another seven books. Uh, and then we'll see from there. That's what I have planned. I mean, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'll be 52 uh, soon and, you know, God willing, I live a long life. I live into my, my 80s or 90s. I mean, if I produce a book a year, uh, that will take me into my late 70s. So, and assuming I have all my faculties, I'm able to write. So that's enough planning ahead for now. I, I don't want to plan too far ahead. 
you know, because uh, I'm not young, I'm not starting this in my 20s where I can say, oh, I can produce, you know, 40, 50, 60 books. God willing, I'm able to produce, you know, 30, perhaps, yeah. right? And, you know, Robert Jordan didn't make it all the way to the end. And he started earlier than 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 either you or I. Um, yeah. And is this, I mean, is it guaranteed that it'll be with the same publishing house? I mean, have you made like, have you told them like, this is what I'm, this is the idea. And they've said like, okay, we'll, we'll give you first looks. Uh, or is it still a little bit like, oh, the second book, you're not really, it's not really guaranteed that it will come out with the same publisher. Well, with indie publishing, of course, you know, I could shop around, you know, I could change, change in indie publishers every year, but no, Friesen is, is my publisher. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a high degree of confidence uh, in their team, a high degree of confidence in, in specifically, um, you know, the design team, the video team, the editing team. I don't know if you've seen my, my teaser trailer. It's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of praise um, from, from people who've seen it, um, author peers and, and other people, um, you know, they, they're the ones, they're the, they're the, they're the, the magic brains behind that. They, they incorporated my vision and, and just phenomenal. Um, uh, the publishing manager I'm working with, you know, Lisa Weapon are outstanding. Um, you know, uh, my editor, the editor, the main editor um, that, that uh, edited uh, A Drown Kingdom provided my initial um, evaluation of the book and what she thought of it. Very insightful, gave me some great tips, uh, but, you know, was very, was overall impressed and but really steered me in the right direction on a few points a few key points that really helped me so no i'm with reason um i i i believe that i'm an indie publisher for life um i've heard and seen of obviously any publishers that um you know their work garners such a claim that you know a traditional publisher approaches and says hey you know we'd like to pick you up can you get an agent and you know we'd like to we'd like to take you on them i at this juncture, I can't foresee that happening. I, I you know, who knows what the future is going to hold. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think I'd be, I, you know, again, we talk about hubris. I, I, I don't have the kind of hubris to think that that one of the now it used to be big five. Now it's really kind of big two. If you really think yeah. about it, uh, publishing companies are gonna are gonna pick you up um, after after your book is out there. Um, I've always had the the sense that you know, um, and with my lovely wife, and she's a genius. Um, you know, being my, uh, my, essentially my, my business manager, I've always had this sense that, you know, I think between her and I, we could turn this into something. Um, now, mind you, the, the huge, uh, you know, marketing uh, publicity uh, machine that is traditional publishing, I mean, I mean, you can't match that in terms of, of scope and outreach and, and what they can do with all the, the millions of dollars they have. They have behind them. You you can't. I mean, as an indie author, you you can't compete. But but I think you can make a living if you you write well enough and you do a good enough a job of of, of self promotion. And um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, one of one of a fantastic author, uh, another Canadian author originally, uh, Evan Winter. He's written um, you know uh, he's written uh, Rage of Dragons and now Fires of Vengeance. Really hot, like really popular. Um, getting a lot of a lot of acclaim uh, for for his works. He started off indie, mm. and uh, Reddit really, really picked up on his work and really pumped it uh, to the point where I think um, some of the orbit uh, people were creeping on Reddit and really got a got a sense that okay, this guy, this guy, he's he's the real deal, and and they latched onto him, and eventually uh, they um, they 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 said, hey, 
you know what, um, get an agent and we'll pick you up. And they, and now his second book is going to be, uh, you know, traditionally published. So you never know what's going to happen. I, 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 to be honest, I don't see myself going that route, but you never know. Well, I mean, it happened, it happened to, to Bradley too. I mean, yeah. he, yeah. he, his first, well, his, his first trilogy was indie published and, and even like that they, I think they even, like something happened and they canceled his his like last book or something even though so he had to publish it himself uh and luckily enough he like he lost his he lost his job at ibm and was like picked up by by daw books like right after so i mean so he's just like well i guess i don't have to go out and get another job yeah <laughs> i would love to um you know i love my day job i'm honored to be to to be employed I'm honored to have a fantastic job and work, work in a fantastic organization with great people. Mm. I'm very privileged to do what I do, um, but um, I would love to retire early and uh, just focus on writing full time. Yeah. Uh, that's my dream to, to make enough money to to do this full time and uh, you know uh, be exclusively you know an indie author. And I'll say this, and and I'm not saying that anybody else that I've interviewed does not have the same chance or opportunity, but definitely, I mean, if you look at, if you look at, well, you're wearing, now people aren't going to be seeing it, but you're wearing a t-shirt with the Drown, a Drown Kingdom logo, you're wearing a hat, the cover of the book is awesome, and stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of the, those things that like a publisher, and I think, I don't think that a lot of people kind of understand that, especially in the authors, how, how important that is, you know, the recognition you know the recognition of a symbol um a logo that how important the book cover is now i mean you could have made your own book cover and it would have looked fine i'm sure you know for anybody that's out there but you have to look at what what does a fantasy book cover look like what does a science fiction book cover look like what am i trying to portray here i mean even the whole like the finish of the book is it you know, matte? Is it glossy? I mean, that can make a world of difference. I'm assuming that yours is matte, right? The co cover of yours has a matte finish or? Well, if you, if you can take a look, I know it's hard to see here, right? But yeah. um, it's, it's, I mean, it's high quality work. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the front and back and internally, um, you know, the, the, the maps, everything is, 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 you know, highest quality family trees, you know, uh, you know, list of characters it's it's all it's all there um you know so this is a exceptionally well-produced uh book if you put this book on the shelf beside you know sarah moss or you know to be honest with you i don't i don't see a difference but no i wouldn't um, it's, it's going to be up to um you know the readers to decide whether or not they like like the way this looks on my cover i think it's simplistic however i think it's elegant hmm. it's it, it's 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 um you know i don't have i, I mean i've i have some friends uh twitter friends like uh you know morgan right she does fantastic these animated covers but this yeah. blows your mind like you know mine isn't 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 glossy but but you know and some people have these these oh these covers that you know i don't know if you'd even get to read in the book you'd stare at the cover for hours but um you know i think mine is is decent but uh <laughs> You know, yeah, all the marketing, that's part of it. Um, you know, the, the, the swag, the merch that I have, you know, that's, uh, that's, 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 we initially made it for uh, my wife and I, for, for us, for our family. Um, yeah. My kids got this as Christmas presents, uh, along with some other things, but, 
uh, our, all our kids uh, got, got these as presents. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, a lot of it is, you know, is promoting uh, the book. Um, so, and that's what any authors have to do. We are constantly 24 seven uh, promoting our works. That's what we have to do. We do not have the machine of traditional publishing behind us. We have to plug our books shamelessly um, at every opportunity if we want to sell and make money. It's unfortunate. I hate, I, I detest um, marketing my book. It's the least favorite aspect of being any author. I, I'm much, uh, much rather promote other people's books, to be honest with you. And I get, I get a charge out of, of pumping other people's stuff. Um, you know, I almost wish that, you know, people would just, okay, well, the book's on Amazon and people just buy it and, you know, it just gets gulled up and I don't have to do anything. That would be ideal. But at the same time, you know, that's not realistic. So, um, you know, we do what we have to do. Yeah. What I wanted to say about is if I was uh, a scout from, from Orbit creeping on Reddit, I would definitely consider your book because I'm saying like the presentation of it at first glance is definitely one that I would say like, now that is eye catching, that is interesting. And, and you know, that's kind of like my point is that people, I think some people don't understand I mean, you might think that your cover is great because you made it and you're pretty stoked with what it looked like. Yeah. But it's got to be something that you can go back and you're like, what was I thinking? It's like when you look at yourself dressed of what you dressed like in the 80s. It's like, I'm not making those mistakes again. <laughs> yeah, I had, I, had a, you know, I had a cameo in the 80s, like a Gumby with the dyed on one side at one point. And, you know, yeah, so you look at those 80s. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hear you, Christopher. You're, you're spot on. Like, yeah. Yeah, what was I thinking? That's what you think. <laughs> and that's why you look at you look at kids that when you know, like fashion always comes back, and they're looking like, like I have students because I work as a teacher. You know, it's my day job. It's like they walk around with tapered legs, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> it didn't work then. Why do you think it's gonna work now? Because we're all about bring, like you said, we're all about about bringing things back, and in retrospect, we go, yeah, was that a good idea? But oh well. Well, maybe today, if we, you know, if we do it now, then no, it's. Uh, but my my book is 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 all about the fact that, um, and I can't spoil it. But when you read the book, within by the time you finish the prologue, at least you'll have some idea of what what the symbol means and what all this means. But um, you know, as you delve into the book, I think it will become quite clear. Um, you know what what to a certain degree. Um, you know, obviously, that my book is. I, I wrote a blog about. Uh, soft magic versus hard magic mm. and you know I, I like the uh, the element of you know uh, mysticism like we're not quite sure who mm. has what powers we're not quite sure to what extent this person can do that or this can happen but it can happen um we think <laughs> so I like that you know element of um you know um not knowing and um uh, and the mysticism. However, I believe within the first, certainly after reading uh, a few chapters, you'll certainly uh, understand the significance of, of that that icon um, to the novel and what it means. Cool. Well, Theo Stewart, our time is running short, uh, and I use this is the time when you get to plug your social media. Where can people connect with you and uh, find you? And I mean, can they buy swag? Um, not at this time. If you're interested in swag merch, I recommend you send me send me an email. 
um, at a drowned kingdom, one word, a drowned kingdom uh, dot dot, uh, sorry, a drowned kingdom at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. So a drowned kingdom, one word at gmail.com. Uh, the uh, website is www.plstuart.com. One word, www.plstuart.com. Uh, that is where you will find information on uh, the book, uh, potential release dates. My teaser trailer is on there. I think it's mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, you know, synopsis of the book, uh, my blog, which I, I hope people will read and find interesting and more. Um, you know, I am very active on social media, especially Twitter. Okay. Uh, at Twitter, you can reach me at PL Stewart Writes, one word, at PL Stewart Writes. I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, feel free to, uh, you know, uh, connect with me there. Follow me. I'll follow you back. I'll send me a direct message. I'm open to direct messages. I love engaging and interacting with people on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, also at, at PL Stewart Writes. So uh, yeah, I uh, look forward to, to speaking with, with anyone who wants to engage and talk about fantasy, especially. Yeah, and when is the release date of the book so that everybody can hear it? Uh, the release date is in spring of 2021. 20, uh, so this year, uh, we don't have an definitive release date. You know that all the, all the, all the, uh, the volatility of, of COVID and, and uh, how indie publishing works. Um, we're getting close though. Um, really and truly, the, the book is done. We're just waiting for uh, professional reviews, Kirkus and Clarion reviews, uh, and the peer author reviews I mentioned to come back so that hopefully we'll get something positive out of that. Hopefully they, there is something positive to say. We'll, we'll put some of those uh, probably on the front and back cover of the book, and then it will go to the publication queue. So you can expect it certainly uh, in the next few months. Okay. And will it be available on other places than Amazon? I mean, are we talking like uh, how uh, widespread is the distribution? Will we see it at Barnes and Noble, stuff like that? Yes, Barnes and Nobles, uh, Amazon, and and uh, Friesen Press, the actual uh, indie publisher. I know it's too small to see, but Friesen Press, uh, they have their own bookstore. You can purchase it um, there as well. Um, and actually, that will probably be available there first. Or Amazon because we know how Amazon works. They work at their own timetables, and we have no control. We can't dictate uh, when they put out it. You know, Freeze and Press. It might come out. You know, let's just say, for example, March first, but it may take two weeks for Amazon to be available on Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble. So, um, but it will be in ebook format, hardcover, and softcover. Very nice. And I'm sure you'll be selling some on your own homepage, maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure you'll be selling some on your own homepage. Oh, well, you know, um, yeah, I mean, all the links will be on the website to go click, 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 buy uh, as soon as it's, it's live. So, um, and also uh, there'll be links all over Twitter. If you're on, if you're, if you're on Twitter, well, I am on Twitter uh, quite regularly. Um, and most authors, especially uh, in, in all the self-promotion, yeah. there's usually links attached. So you just go in and click from any one of those links. Um, you know, right now my pinned tweet to my uh, Twitter is my uh, my teaser trailer video. And uh, as I said, it's been getting a lot of a lot of praise. So I welcome you, if you haven't seen it already, you know, please check it out. Um, you know, and I welcome anyone watching this podcast to take a look. I think it'll give you a sense of, of, of you know, the grandeur, et cetera, of, you know, I think most people will describe it as stirring. So uh, please take a look and see if, if you enjoy that, so. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a delight and hopefully we'll uh, wish you all the success on your book and I, can, I look thank forward to, to reading it. Thank you so much, Christian. I'm honored. I'm looking forward to reading your work as well. 
And uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Well, we're back. That was a great interview. Great talk. Uh, P.L. Stewart knows what he's uh, doing and what he's up to, even though he is kind of young in the game. Uh, he seems to have his ideas uh, and thoughts all uh, ready and sorted. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I'd like to thank P.L. Stewart for coming on the show. Follow him wherever you can uh, find him. Uh, all those links will be in the show notes. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, some big news coming up. Uh, actually, big news already uh, kind of announced. Uh, myself, Derek Power, and David Green have now taken over the European and Australian wing of Breaking Rules Publishing called Breaking Rules Europe. Uh, you can find them on Breaking Rules publishing euro.com and also on facebook and twitter and you can see what we're going out our first submission call has already been announced so if you're interested if you're a writer and you want to submit a drabble on lore and mythology please do so um, links will also be in the show notes um, i would also like to thank john holtman for providing the music for today and yeah have a good one and i'll talk to you next time Bye.